0: Org. WWDB Philadelphia. The top station. Good afternoon, Greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB eight sixty AM I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon, and we both work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018, number 11 in the country. We've got Nick behind the camera, and we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So, this didn't last long, Sarah. The the LLPA. If you don't know what the LLPA is, I I, f- I find this so fascinating. Uh, because this got passed back in January, and uh, if if you don't know what the LLPA is, so there was a uh, it's the um, from the Federal Housing Finance Agency, and it's uh, a matrix they came up with, um, and what the LLPA stands for, just to give everyone some clarity on that, it means uh, the loan level price adjustments that were made, and th- there was some. It, it was this this grid grid came out. I'll send Nick the grid. We can put it in on on the YouTube uh, post afterwards. And it was basically saying like we're gonna raise fees for everybody. And it felt like people with better credit scores and more down money, their fees were getting raised versus some people with lower down payments and lower credit scores, which wasn't really the case. And this, this got passed in January, so nobody says anything about it. And then May first, it's supposed to in, get get enacted. And here we are two weeks later, and this got rolled back <laughs> it's it's unbelievable to me. so what do you what do you think about all this?
1: yeah I mean it's it's interesting that from you know when it was passed here back in January, yeah there I don't recall really anybody mentioning anything about it and then there certainly was some hype on it here um, and you know it said in the article a lot of um there was a lot of misinformation that they had to try and overcome mm-hmm. and correct um which, you know, caused caused a problem because once people had, you know, some of the false claims in their head, it was difficult to get those out. Um, a lot of people, you know, were not happy about it. It sounds as though like it did it did give lenders a difficult time trying to factor that. Well, yeah, in, they had which to- is ultimately why they were able mm-hmm. to go in and roll it back. Um, so I think that when it comes from the people that are actually, putting together the mortgages and approving these and running mm-hmm. it. If they're saying it's not working, those are the correct people to listen to.
0: I mean, yeah, I, you know, it looked like it was just another fee increase. It's kind of what happened. Mm-hmm. I'm not really surprised this happened. And it's, you know, it, the, the, the the challenge I have with this is that everyone gets up in arms, but they should have been talking about this in January and February, not like right when this was supposed to get uh, implemented. So, you know, w- this is something where it, You know, it's one of those government decisions that really doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. And then all of a sudden it gets rolled back. I mean, this was not surprising to me. I mean, it took two weeks. Like, it's kind of a joke. I mean, why even the manpower, the time, the effort to do all that? that, That's where I don't I don't really get it.
1: So is it ever coming back? Like, does rolled back mean it's gone or it's being taken back to be reevaluated and then come out again sometime down the line?
0: So here's what the Mortgage Bankers Association said, and, and who, who knows, I guess is, is, is the best way to, to answer that. So the proposed fee was unworkable for lenders and would have confused borrowers and undermined the customer experience, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. We're pleased that the FHFA, that's the uh, Federal Housing Finance Agency, Uh, engaged with industry stakeholders, recognized the negative impacts of the fee and decided to rescind its implementation. So it sounds like it's done for good. And the NBA urges the FHFA to continue uh, its engagement to improve clarity and transparency regarding the pricing framework. So-
1: It almost sounds like maybe they should have discussed this with them prior to even rolling it out to begin with.
0: I mean, a logical person (laughs) would, would say that, Sarah. And unfortunately- Government mm-hmm. organizations don't necessarily follow logic. Right. So, uh, you know, this to me is almost like a non-story. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see it got rolled back because I think people were up in arms about it. And it right. did make, I mean, we, we had a, we have we have a team meeting in the beginning of every month to talk about what's going on in the market. And this was one of the hot topics. And mm-hmm. the lenders that came, they were like, do you know how many calls we've gotten about this? This has been problematic and yep. we're constantly fielding these things. That's all the more reason to Make sure you engage with someone that's that, that's a real knowledge broker in their industry so they can explain to you what all this stuff means. So uh, I don't know. There's really a whole lot more to talk about here. So one that I wanted to shift to was what happened in the market this past week. So right. if you look at the housing market tracker from uh, Housing Wire and Logan Motoshami, um, we saw a bump in inventory this past week by only 662 homes. So not very many. Right. Um, and new listing data is still trending at all time lows. Are you feeling that in the market right now? That's the first part of this, but uh, inventory has just been a constant talking point for, for years now.
1: So yes and no, like it's kind of strange. Cause I feel like the couple like hot buyers that I'm working with now that are like consist, like, you know, we're not just like occasionally going out to showings, but we're like continuing stuff. I mean, it's not like they have like tons and tons to choose from. But I feel like every couple days, like, something else is coming up that has been, you know, on the radar. I've also noticed in some cases some of the coming soons have been up for longer, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, more than a week. Like, earlier this month, I feel like there were several that came up for coming soon for, like, the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess you can have them up there for three weeks. So I guess Yeah, 21 been, days
0: is the bright MLS regulation.
1: Yeah, so I guess they put it up, like, right when they could to have that three-week lead up. So – Maybe it's a little bit, um, not like confusing there, but some of the places that we've seen are ones that we haven't been able to get into yet. So they're still kind of on the radar for future places to, to take a look at. Mm -hmm. And then combined with, uh, you know, the occasional new ones that are popping up that are active and you can get into, it does feel like there are things on the market to go and see.
0: So I, I, I would argue this is going to be super local, first and mm-hmm. foremost. Um, I mean, you look at what's happened in our market. I chart like every like week by week what goes on, and if um, what we saw last week was about 800 homes, including properties that came back to the market, went active, or were coming soon in Chester, Delaware, Montgomery counties, Philadelphia, and Bucks. So that's a five county area, and that was the highest number I've seen all year. So. God. Locally, we're, we're definitely seeing that. And, and really the best day to look at this is going to be Fridays because that's when you see that new pop. Even if you take the seven-day same sample size here, we've seen 244 coming soon listings, 401 new active, and 70 back to active. So that really puts us at like, what is that, like 710 or, or, or whatever that number is. So we're, we've seen some consistency here, mm-hmm. more so in our market. And the, the back to active is interesting because I find there's a lot of people, they're getting these houses. And they're kind of getting a little squirrely and blowing out of the deals right away. I mean, and being the backup offer may not be a bad place to be. We can unpack that in a second. Uh, But I agree with you. It seems like there's more ability to go get a home now than there was was, a a month or two ago.
1: Right, right. And, I mean, I think that people are, like, speaking of the the back to active, um, I mean, I just had a call with an agent yesterday who was more than happy to, well, I have one of my clients tends to keep finding himself, uh, liking homes that are under contract. <laughs> um, and there was one in particular that he had wanted to look at. And I reached out to the agent just to see if we could, um, you know, maybe get in and take a look. Mm-hmm. The contingency period was going to be up next week. I saw that there were home inspections. It actually had been on the market before uh, or like under contract, came back yep. under contract again. So um, they were more than happy to to say, yeah, you can come through um, and, together something or have something ready to go in case anything falls apart here which i feel like is a little bit of a different tone than what you were sometimes for sure i totally agree it was just like nope we're done
0: yeah well and that that's i I think that the people are starting to get it because the demand's starting to wane a little bit some of these this pent-up demand these people have bought houses at this point and it's the the rates have created a little bit of hesitation I, I would i would caution sellers here because if rates do come down later in the year and i, I don't i think they're going to be pretty stable and maybe have some movement in the second half of the year they get back into the fives you're going to see a lot more movement and you're going to see more sellers come to the market and i think that that's the challenge in a lot of cases because these people still have a three or a four mm-hmm. locked in 65 percent of the country has a three or a four interest rate handle and, and they're, they're not bringing it to the market. But, again, this is all super local. You're talking about opportunities you're seeing. I'm seeing the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, w- I would caution anyone that's looking at this data to make sure they know what's going on locally. And the, 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 the Northeast especially, it was very barren the first quarter in terms of inventory. And now it's picked up a, a good bit here so far in the second quarter. Yeah. Um, with that, we also saw mortgage rates um, falling last week and they kind of settled in around six and a half. It seems to be where, where that number is coming. Or is that, is that giving your clients more stability, knowing that rates aren't like bouncing around as much as they were even 50, 50, 60 days ago?
1: I think so. And I think I'm just, you know, really trying to re- reiterate to them like this is kind of where they are. This is where we're expecting them. Like there's going to be a little bit of a dance, but we're not expecting any like major um, increases or decreases. so let's use this number and work with it and know that this is roughly where we're we're gonna be sticking to.
0: Love it, love it and I think that that's the stability is what a lot of consumers want, especially you think about it like first time buyers right They're not affected by rates as much and they're still looking to go out and transact. and we did see purchase application data it rose five percent week over week and I think that's in related to the Fed meeting and how rates lowered so, We've seen the market kind of chug along here. I mean, I'm happy to see any sort of blip in inventory right now where it's going up. I think that's one of the most important things we can chart here. Uh, so what, what do you think happens next week? Are we going to see more homes, less homes? I mean, we've been kind of riding a steady uh, wave here of about 750 to 800-some new homes coming to the market a week in the greater Philadelphia area. What's, what, what's your prediction here for next week, Sarah?
1: I think it's going to, like, ride right around the same. Okay. Um, you know, I think— We're going to still see new listings obviously coming to the market, but I think we're kind of going to stay on course here with, with about what we saw this week.
0: So I hope we see more. I would, I would like to see more. I think that's what we kind of, kind of want, want to happen here. If you look at new listing weekly data for May over the past three years, this is by far the lowest amount of new listing data. The flip side to this, where this can be a little misleading is not as many homes are selling right now. Mm -hmm. Sales are down 30 some percent year over year. So there's more stuff hanging on the market, and to your point, Sarah, I think that's where we're seeing the opportunities come into play because these homes aren't selling in a day or two, and when they sit on the market a little longer, the sellers get a little more anxious and are more open to working with folks.
1: Right, right, and I mean also when you do start seeing some of the the price drops, um, not that I've seen a ton of them, but I've I've been noticing a few. Um, so you know just kind of like. Finding out where your opportunity is for your for your buyers and how to kind of make it work.
0: Well, and you mentioned there's there's almost like the, it is and it isn't right, mm-hmm. At the, or it's almost like two markets happening right now. Right. The homes priced right, and I, I the first place is going to get soft is probably going to be the the premium market because there's just less buyers for those types of homes, and then you get to that medium price when that's where it gets really competitive. I mean, anything from three hundred up to like $800, 900 is where it's it, it's very competitive. And then depending on where you are, it kind of wanes off a little bit. Philadelphia is a drastically different market. We see inventory there at 2.7 some months right now versus just about a month in the suburbs. So I, I cannot stress enough how important it is to get someone that knows your local market and can explain it to you because if that person can't do that, I mean, there's a lot of mixed messaging.
1: Right, right. And it's
0: almost like case by case. It's a, right. There's no there's no rule or rhyme or reason to it right now. It, it, it's a little bit of a weird market.
1: It It is. I mean, and it's also... It's kind of crazy. I think yesterday I also had a call with an agent. I had a sale recently that is it has not settled yet. And there was another home in the same neighborhood that went up that has now been on the market for significantly longer than mm-hmm. the one that I had was. And he was trying to structure an offer and, you know, just reached out to, um, you know, obviously you're not going to give exact mm-hmm. information as to what happened with the sale, but just like a Ball part like a direction for like yes it went over or yes it went significant you know just so that they could kind of put something together and um it was just interesting because they were we had a ton of interest on on my listing quite a few offers and one right up the road very comparable um just wasn't having quite the same amount of heat so um it's it's you you can't just blanket everything as like this is how it's going to go like everything is so specific to like you know, street
0: house, everything. I I agree, and and we're seeing that in some of these markets, it's you might have timed it just right when when the new home hits the market, and it's priced less or priced more and not moving. So, you know, and th- this is where I really caution sellers is that waiting could cost you money right now, and this is the first time we've been able to say that since probably about 2020. Um, and if there's gonna be more inventory that comes and you don't wanna be on the wrong side of that. Right. And 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 that's the biggest thing sellers should be aware of now is that if they're thinking about moving, I'd have be having conversations about what's going on in your market with whomever you can find locally. It's gonna be an expert that knows what they're talking about and is a knowledge broker. Yeah. So on that note, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. We are going to talk about another fascinating topic. Lauren June came out and eviscerated the Fed, the chief economist from NAR, along with some really strong comments from Robert Dietz, the chairman of the National Home Builders Association. And then we've got Stacey Harbaugh here from my kitchen assistant. We're going to have her explain her business. It's a lifesaver. If you ever had thrown a party at your house and you felt like you never got to actually go to the party, she's a great person to talk to. So we'll be right back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. the Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania with over 165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents, and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Main Line at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. That's Tom, tool with an e, dot com. Sell your home for more, and remember the real estate golden rule.
3: You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. com or give us a call at 610-439-8000 We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized, local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an Equal Housing Lender. NMLS
0: 128501. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. We've got Nick Wolf behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, number 10 in the country. And we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group and make sure to subscribe and follow. So, and more economic news. These are Sarah's favorite segments, by the way, for the listening audience. Um, last week, uh, the NAR, the National Association of Realtors, they were ho- hosting their Realtors legislative meetings. Thank God I did not go to that. I mean, it, uh, if you ever want to, like, you as a side note, if you ever complain about NAR rules. Go to complain at that meeting. Don't complain and not do anything about it. Like, other, otherwise, if you're not taking action, you can't do anything. Right. Um, with that in mind, um, Lawrence Hume was there. And, you know, he's an interesting guy because he kind of rolls out of bed every couple of months. I, they pay him a high six-figure salary. And he makes some comments. And typically, they're very real friendly. Big surprise okay. because he works for NAR. He's the chief economist. So, Uh, He took the stage, and he discussed the current real estate market, and he got pretty aggressive. Um, This is one of my favorite quotes that he's made. Um, He basically, on stage, uh, he was pretty clear how he felt about the Fed's most recent rate hike, stating it was unnecessary. Uh, Specifically, he said, inflation will not reignite. Inflation will come down closer to 3% by the year's end. Inflation has calmed down. Why, rents are still accelerating. Um, he went on to say aggressive rate hikes have hurt both regional banks and the housing market, and he explained that this is starting to come. Um, and then he went on about rent growth will start to decrease because apartment construction has reached a 40- to 50-year high, and while this will help with the CPI data, the Consumer Price Inflation Index, it doesn't help with the issue of low housing inventory. Right. Basically, he said the Fed didn't need to do what they did a couple weeks ago. Right. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I— I would definitely agree. I mean, even though, um, you know, we expected this coming and it was kind of baked into the mortgage rates um, and we we didn't see any major movement there. Yeah, I would absolutely agree that it was it was unnecessary. um, And I would very much like them to kind of just chill out for a second and let things run their course a bit. Um, So, yeah.
0: So. The, the, the majority and the masses agree. I, the, I don't think a lot of people felt it was necessary. And um, to it looks like right now, Sarah, there's an 83.2% chance, ator- according to the CME Group FedWatch tool, that we will see no rate increase at the next meeting in 28 days, 22 hours, and 33 minutes. So we'll have to
1: keep our eye on that.
0: We will, Well, I, yeah, it, I wouldn't even look at this thing until like a week out yeah. and, and see what happens. And as the more data comes out, that's going to be pretty, pretty important. And a lot of people have been saying these rate hikes went on too long. I mean, Logan Modashami had been talking about that months ago. Uh, so, th- th- you know, he, he was pretty clear about it. He, he did eviscerate them, in, in my view, in terms of just saying this wasn't necessary. However, I found the more interesting quotes coming out of this were from Robert Dietz, the chief economist at the National Association of Home Builders. He was part of the same forum, and he talked about some of the challenges builders are facing And the biggest of them is the increase in the, or or the, is is the ability to increase the amount of affordable housing inventory. Um, And the Fed's rate hikes have made it more expensive to build new construction. Um, And he goes on to say it's impossible to build entry level housing when you've got, before putting a shovel in the ground, $200,000 in regulatory costs. And I mean, you look at new construction. I mean, it, it, I mean, you're, you're in the market every day, right? Mm -hmm are you seeing any affordable new construction in the median price points particular? I know you've sold some new construction. I know the price is medium price points. Are you seeing anything new that, that is coming to the market anywhere?
1: No. Um, you, you go in and you're like, you know, you're clicking through the MLS and you're, you're looking in certain areas and um, you see that some new ones have popped up and it's like, Oh great. And you go in and you click. And I mean, all of the new construction are, are well above the median price point. Um, I mean, a lot of them are like up in the mill. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, I I can't tell you the last time that I've seen a new construction that was that was right around our, our median price point.
0: Well, and, and the data backs this up, Sarah. So nice job on your analysis and, and knowing the market, because if you look at all the new construction in Bright MLS right now, I'm going to show you everything. There's uh, there's 5,000 plus of these properties and Bright MLS covers like West Virginia, Delaware, uh, Virginia, the D.C. area, um, parts of New Jersey. So the average and median sale prices are. Hold on, let me get to them here. I have the number from last week. I want to get a little more updated. Here we go. Um, so the average asking price of new construction right now is eight hundred sixty-three thousand dollars. The median sale price, or the average sale price that we see, is about it's about double. It's about like it's around like the four thirty to four fifty range. Mm-hmm. So we we it, it is unaffordable and I, I think the challenge is that we deal with inventory constantly right how many buyers have complained to you about inventory that you've worked with
1: i don't give me, think give me i a am i think i'm yet to encounter one that hasn't yeah so,
0: <laughs> so 100% <laughs> of buyers and and you're doing a lot of business so and we we're, we're hearing this across our whole team too of, of 40 40 some real estate agents so everyone's complaining about inventory and the only solve for that because people have these low locked in rates is really to build more mm-hmm. I don't know where you're going to build it. I mean, I, and in, in Philadelphia, you see some stuff coming to the market, but some people don't want to deal with the taxes down there or, yeah. you know, the, the I mean, and when I say taxes, I'm talking about like city wage tax and, and then, and those sort of things. And then you have in the suburbs, these zoning requirements with minimum lot sizes of an acre or two acres in a lot of places. And that's just as inhibitive to these builders um, on, on top of getting slapped with all sorts of regulatory costs from the, from the local government. So, it is difficult to build these things right now.
1: Yeah, when those and the prices that are posted for like what they're listed at, that's just your base price. You know, mm-hmm. before you, if you want to make any changes to it or do anything, like you know, it's going up from there.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if you want like a door, yeah. right, it's going to cost money. Or you yeah. want you don't want vinyl flooring in your eight hundred thousand dollar house, right? right. You've, you, it's going to cost money, and you know, it, it's like buying. I mean, they're always sold at a premium. Like, mm-hmm. if you find the gently used home, it typically won't go for as much as the brand new build because people right. are customizing it. The right. challenge is there's not enough out there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And the resale market, especially in places like no- the Northeast where we are, there- there's just not anywhere else to build. And you look at, you know, we have a couple new construction developments across, like across the street from our office. Um, the, if you've driven by the Ventry job, the old Edgemont Golf Course, they have these huge lot sizes there. They could have built way more homes. Right. Um, I'm sure that was a zoning issue. Yeah. And, the local governments, the local municipalities, they don't want to bend on these things. So it there's like this whole cycle of, of factors going on why you don't see more more building happening right now. Right. So do, do, do we see affordable housing coming back? I think this is a big challenge. I mean, this is something a lot of people aren't talking about right now.
1: Honestly, if things keep trending the way that they are, like, I don't see how we could.
0: Mm hmm. I see a lot of people moving west right now from our marketplace. I mean, they're going out to where you're from, Lancaster or, or doesn't help our market. But uh, <laughs> but they're, they're moving out other places because what's, what's been happening is that, that we're in a spot now where it's just so challenging and there's not much out there. So, you know, Lawrence June's got some pretty clear opinions about all this. You know, he thinks that, um, you know, based on affordable housing and, and, and what's going on, um, you know, that there, there's going to be a real challenge here. Um, obvious, I think the home builder comments are even even more intriguing. So what, what, what's your takeaway from this? I mean, what's the Fed going to do now? I mean, you said they hope you you hope they don't go any further. I mean, you know, these comments are coming out from all these experts. Um, you know, people again, they like home price increases because they're good for homeowners. Right. And at the same time, it's there's an affordable housing issue. Um Do you see any sort of action being changed here? Are local governments going to bend? I mean, is the Fed going to continue their aggressive rate hikes? Tell tell me your predictions.
1: So I think that the Fed's going to cool down with the aggressive rate hikes, um, hopefully for, you know, not just the next Fed meeting, but uh, hopefully that'll be something that continues for a bit. For the affordable housing, I mean, I think if the different townships can – kind of come to terms and I mean, I don't know who would be the person that would need to go and present this to yeah. him and like, you know, encourage being able to do um, new construction at a more affordable price point, but then also find the right builder that's going to be willing to step in and do that. Um, but that's not something that's going to be an immediate, like, even if the right people go and present these things, like this is going to be a process. Mm-hmm. So for, you know the foreseeable future. Um, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit sticky.
0: I, I don't see this changing anytime soon. Because the, have you ever dealt with like a local township before?
1: I'm trying to think. Um, not, not really.
0: So they they had um they, they uh if you we used to live in Ardmore and they they built that like station center there like these apartments. They already had zoning approval, and the neighbors came out anyway and had a so this is all done like it was it was ready to go. They had a township meeting till four in the morning, like I, I I would I can't and I can't imagine ever being there. But people wanted to fight this, and th- the challenge is the people that already have houses they don't care. Right. They're happy that that they're protecting their neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And there's some of these townships, especially places like you know in Chester County specifically, where they own, any any house built has to have a minimum acre lot size. So oh, wow. imagine like someone wants to come in and build a bunch of townhomes like right. that. That would solve a lot of these problems. Like right. if there was more just. Townhome inventory mm-hmm. in the suburban markets, at yeah. least for us. Um, you know, single family homes, obviously it's a little different. You need some space there. They're not building communities like places like Havertown anymore where they have the you know smaller lots. So let's say they, they want to just build a townhome community. You can't even do that in most of these places without yeah. some sort of zoning approval and going through the hearing and everything else. So until these townships loosen up, they're actually and, and there's tax revenue that comes in for this by the way there, there, there's good things that come in when people move to your area right and right. you know with that and and the, you know the, the cost of money right now and rates aren't going down until people really start like dying or downsizing or or, or you know they're they're moving out of the area the baby boomers are going to keep holding on to the uh, and the, the housing that is affordable in a lot of cases and they're just not moving
1: right yeah I mean it's gonna be. It's it's tough when you're in that um, when you're in that pocket where it's it's hard to find anything and they're not building anything for it.
0: Well, and, and it's you know then you have the builders they don't really cooperate with agents anyway they offer out you know five hundred dollar co ops on on six hundred thousand dollar homes and those sort of things thanks to Ryan Homes that's exactly who does that so I mean it, it's just and they're only building west like you don't see any new construction around here and then you see like redevelopment happen in a couple areas but it, it, this is. You know, builders have a problem right now, and the easiest way to increase inventory is to build it because people mm-hmm. aren't going to move when sixty-five percent of consumers have a three or four percent rate. I mean, it's going to have to be a life-changing event, right? So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about your kitchen assistant, Stacy Harbaugh. I've used her before. Excellent, excellent business. You want to support here, where she can? Uh, she'll explain it all next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB eight sixty AM. Even our brand new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now, here's the offer if you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool sales group at REMAX mainline at tomtool.com. That's Tom, tool with an ecom Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610 692 6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. When you're
2: getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs. Including first-time buyer programs and low down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610 439 8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Mortgage America's MLS 128501.
0: All right, all right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah time. And we have Nick Wolf behind the camera and we all work at the Tom tool sales group at REMAX mainline. The number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, number 11 in the country. And we've got Stacy Harbaugh here from your kitchen assistant. She is the, I I don't know what your title is there. I know it's your company. So we'll leave it at that. Stacy, thanks for coming on first and foremost.
4: Thank you. Great to be here.
0: So, I've used Stacey personally on a couple things, uh, you know, with, with our company and, you know, at, at our home. But what I, what I find interesting is that – I don't know if this has ever happened to you, Sarah. You have, like, people over and you think it's a good idea – and then you can't wait for everyone to leave, and you don't get to ever, like, enjoy the, the event. I mean, is that is that something that you can ever recall in your lifetime?
1: Oh, yeah. And you're, like, stressed out leading up to it about the food prep and, like, trying to calculate how much to make for the number of people. And you almost, like, psych yourself out because you're like, no way, that's way too much food. Like, that's insane for me to make that much. And then you pull back, and then you're like, no, I should have done it that way. So, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, and then the whole time you're just trying to make sure everything's filled and,
0: yeah. So it sounds like Stacy has solved this problem. So, <laughs> Stacy, why don't you kind of talk a little bit about your company, give everyone a little bit of background, how long you've been doing it, how you, how you got started, and then we can go from there.
4: Yeah, great. Uh, I've been doing this almost eight years. Um, we do party prep, serving, setup, and cleanup, and full on-site catering. So I am the chef owner. Um, I did go to culinary school uh, later in life, which was um, – It was great because I actually went when I knew what I wanted to do with my life. So I knew I wanted to be a chef finally one day. Um, And I love what we do. We go into people's homes at their, you know, most special events with their closest friends and family, and we make it as enjoyable as possible for them. We give delicious food. Um, I believe very much that you eat with your eyes first. And so my presentation is really important to me. Food signs are really important. Food safety is really important. Um, and I customize the menu based on exactly what what the host wants. So I don't just have a standard menu I send you and it's, you know, $65 a person. It's it's not like that. You look at a, a actually very long menu and you can choose everything from there. And you can say, hey, we really love the harvest salad, but we're allergic to nuts and we don't like organzola. So can you put feta on? And I'm going to make exactly what you want for your event. Um, so it's just important to me that we customize it. I customize with themes and colors. Um, and I absolutely love a good theme. Love, love a good theme. How far out
1: do you typically need to like book you or start talking to you, um, about the, the themes and kind of like as zoning it on as far
4: things? as possible. I'm already booked the first three Saturdays in December um wow so i would say from now through december no no the first three saturdays in december like popular times like june is book solid i have eight events in june yeah and and honestly ever since covid all the events are big yeah they're huge everybody everybody wants to party everybody wants to celebrate people have missed being together Mm -hmm. um i think we took it for granted before and now People just really want to get together. And, and the summer months, especially because people are outside mm-hmm. and they're still in that mindset of, like, we don't have to be inside and some people still mask and stuff. Sure. But outside parties are just huge. I don't have any parties less than 50 people in okay. June, and most of them are up to 80, you know, wow. and more. And I just did a, a Derby Day party that was 230 people. Oh, my gosh. So
1: what – Um, I guess how – accommodation wise for like number of people, minimum,
4: maximum. Do you have numbers there? I actually did a private chef dinner for two people during COVID. Okay. So, um, most private chef dinners are, you know, six to 10 people. Yeah. And then we go more a buffet, Mm -hmm. um, as it gets larger. The only events that I don't do are formal sit down, um, plated, like weddings. I do a lot of weddings, but they're more, uh, more informal, um, but not the very formal seated uh, plated, but I'll do the bridal shower, the rehearsal dinner, the baby shower, the engagement party, Mm -hmm. everything surrounding uh, the wedding or, you know, a wedding that's a little more informal. Okay.
0: So you want to get in touch with Stacey. It's yourkitchenassistant.com. So how did, how did, like, the company get started? Like, what gave you this idea? Because uh, I, I think it's, I, I I mean, there's a lot of copycat businesses out there in yeah. a lot of cases, but I was kind of, like, this is something that obviously has grown a lot, especially since I've gotten to know you.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's it's gotten huge. Last year was actually our busiest year ever, coming out of COVID. I can't believe that, but it's it's fabulous. And I guess it's part of it is what I just said, that people yeah. just mm-hmm. really want to get together. But it started um, on a Saturday in June. <laughs> <laughs> in 2015. And oh, wow. I had already um through culinary school, I would people would contact them and ask uh for somebody to come and do party help. And they would pay them $25 an hour and they'll just come, you know, prep, set up, serve, and clean up. And so I started doing that. And I did it a lot. And I said to my husband one Saturday, I was like, you know what? I should probably have a website. You know? Yeah. People are like yeah. People really want this. And so I got like within a day, I had a website. I was on Instagram, LinkedIn, everything. And I started to do it. And then I started to book. And as soon as I posted it, all my friends were like, hey, will you cater? And I was like, "Uh, sure. And I started catering. And yeah. as it, it just grew very organically, and I just started purchasing more and more and more equipment as, it, as I needed it. At this point, I have four giant catering refrigerators and two giant freezers and um i have three ovens and it's it's just grown huge Mm -hmm. we have seven people working i have seven people working with me now that's awesome um so it's just been very organic and most of it is you know uh i work an event and then everybody who's there it's word of mouth you know they've been there they've seen what i do and or you know it's it's personal referrals too yeah it's been great. Which those, are, those are like the best, you know? Yeah, like because that. you ch- it's all about trust. I mean, what I do is really about trust. I'm coming into your kitchen, mm-hmm. right? I'm coming into your kitchen with your mm-hmm. closest friends and family. So you mm-hmm. need to have somebody there you trust. Right.
0: Well, and, when you think about this, I mean, I, and I think that you're – the way you market this, I think it's pretty smart because everyone has had like, oh, I'm gonna have like someone over for a barbecue. I'm gonna have like fifteen or twenty people over, and it is miserable. If you ask me, I mean, it's like the holidays. Like you don't even sit down until, and I know you do a lot of holiday work as well. Um, it, it is one of the most challenging things having people over your house, and then you're like, I'm never doing this again, yeah. right? I mean, it, it just it it con- constantly happens that way. So I find that to be you know pr- pretty important. So. Um, you know, so you said you like love a good theme. Could you give us a couple of examples of like events you do to give the audience an idea? Um, so like the stuff you'd be available for. I'm hearing book in advance is very important. Yeah,
4: definitely. I mean, like like in uh, June, I have six graduation parties. And so the themes, I'll you know, I'll say to them, do you want the high school they're graduating from or the college they're going to? And so right there, I've got the logos. I've got the colors. And I'll match, you know, the utensils, and I'll match all the linens on the buffet, uh, the food signs. So I really have a good time with that. Um, you know, I've done some really fun themes. I did a a little first uh, first birthday, and it was barnyard, and which sounds very simple, but I, it was so much fun. I had all these adorable little farm animals and. I just went crazy with it, and the napkins were, you know, red and white gingham with, with the red um, uh, utensils, and all of the linens were a picnic. It was just so much fun, and it, the pictures like it just looked great. I loved it.
0: I hate doing that stuff. I don't know about you. I mean, you got a young daughter at home, Sarah. So, I, 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 do you like get like get all partied out, or I mean, like I think this is like a legitimate thing. Like people don't feel like they're able to. Uh... Well, Stacey's uh, headphones here. <laughs> Oh good. So I, I it's just it, it's so much work throwing these things, and then you, you, like everyone comes over and they try to talk to you. Like, leave me alone. And yeah. Then- well, we
1: just we just did Maddie's second birthday party at our house the other weekend, and I think there were about like sixty people there. Oh my god. Yeah. And um, actually, it went it went very well. Thank God the weather held out. Yes. So like that was that was the most important. But um, leading up to it, like because I don't do that very often, like just yes, very stressful. Just wondering, also like. Is there, like, some major items I'm missing right now? Like, you know, I, like, thought that I planned through things, but, like, I don't do this all the time. So, yeah. yeah. And I actually always
4: say to people at the end when they come in the kitchen and it's spotless, it's cleaner than when we got there. And they go, oh, my God. And, like, that actually, like, cracks me up because – I do think I make delicious food, and I, I think other people think that too. Yeah, However, cleaning up
1: is the worst.
4: The cleaning up <laughs> yeah, is the worst. You're up till late. At, you know, when we have events at, at my house, I say to my husband, I wish I had a me. Yeah. You know, because the, we're the ones doing it. It's just so much work. You're tired, and you've been probably drinking, and you just want to just be done with it. Right. Um, and what we'll do is, you know, we set everything up. We serve it, and then we clean it up, and I wrap everything up in to-go containers. So you literally have everything in your refrigerator at the end of the night, and you don't have to do anything. When I think
1: even down to, like, some of the little things, I'm sure as you're, like, putting the food out and placing it, like, this sounds dumb, but, like, knowing where to put what for, Mm -hmm. like, how people would get things and what makes sense and where to put, you know— even like where to grab your plates, and then where should the utensils right. be, and where, sh- and how often right. should you place things different? And we spots. refill
4: the whole time too, right. and also trash and recycling. And people are always mixing up trash and recycling, and yeah. it gets a mess. And then somebody spills, and like you don't have to worry about that because right. we do the whole thing, um, and we're doing the food, and we're doing the cleanup, yeah. and it it just the whole point is so that the host can just enjoy their own event, right? You know. Now, I'm looking
1: at, so I was on your Facebook looking at some uh, parties that looked great. I'm also looking at your website. Um, this is, like, cracking me up. This dog-themed party, is that for, was that for a dog or for a person that wanted a dog-themed party?
4: That dog theme, that was actually my daughter's bat mitzvah. Oh, fun. And I did the centerpieces for that. And They're I cute. did, like, all of the um, decor for that one. Yeah. 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 Very that was fun. really fun. And I did – there's one on there that's baseball too. I did all those centerpieces too. Normally I don't do centerpieces, but I can. Okay. Um, but that's sort of how I stage my um, my own, you know, food tables as well.
1: Yeah. No, your stations always look very cool. It's not just like food no, slapped out
4: there. Never. Like the thought and
1: detail – Right. That goes into everything. Yeah, We're not
4: just putting like a cardboard box under a, a, which a lot of, you know, old school caterers do. They put like a cardboard Mm -hmm. box under a tablecloth to make different levels. We're we're not, I'm not doing that. You know, we're, we're a little more creative than that. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of really, really fun boards and um, serving dishes and serving pieces. And we bring all of that. I don't need to use anything in your kitchen. Yeah. I mean, I come with my own toolbox, my own knives, my own dish rack everything. Yeah. You know, basically we could do this in a parking lot if we have to. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't.
3: Do I mean love that? working in yeah. the,
4: in nice homes and mm-hmm. meeting people. And actually, that's my favorite thing is that it's never the same thing. I'm never just walking into a cubicle. I am constantly meeting new people, going new places, and every single event is a challenge. Yeah. Because you know, somebody's oven might be too thin or somebody's oven might not be working that well, or you have 10 people trying to stand around you or there's always some challenge. And I actually get a kick out of overcoming those challenges and making it the best event possible. Yeah. So, I mean, I know you're
1: planning out the menus and stuff in advance, but obviously for a lot of the items, you would only be able to get those like a short time before the party. Have you ever had it happen where like you plan out this whole menu and then like you had to change it last minute because stuff wasn't available?
4: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, during COVID. Well, yeah. (laughs) During COVID. Yeah. But um, I basically, we plan a menu and it's based on an estimated guest count. Mm -hmm. uh, And then they have until a week before to change the guest count. So exactly one week before you can change the guest count and I can adapt. But once I start purchasing the food and making everything, it's really hard to change it. Um, Mm -hmm. it's easier to add food than to take away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, during COVID I I would walk into a store and Hey, guess what? There's no peanut butter anywhere, right? Anywhere. And I'm at six stores, same thing with cream cheese. There was a cream cheese shortage. Guess what? A lot of dips, a lot of things are made with cream cheese and you don't realize how much until you can't get it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Crazy. And, and the prices of things have changed.
0: Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, we we talk about inflation a lot on this show, and uh, I mean, it's wild the, the cost of. I mean, I think there was even a couple of, like, uh, uh, not maybe this year or last year around Fourth of July, it was the beef prices like went up like mm-hmm. an insane amount, and people were freaking out about hamburgers. So, um, so you've got this business, right? You do a lot of things differently here in terms of you know how how personalized it is. So, for someone that's listening, they've got an event coming up. They've got maybe some sort of gathering coming up. And they're on the fence about, you know, what what to do? Like what what's gonna make their experience with you a lot easier? So that uh, and, and maybe explain kind of your points of difference between yourself and like your typical caterer.
4: I mean, I think, you know, typical caterers have a menu and a set price. And, you know, they're gonna or they're gonna give you a package that you choose from. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't I'm gonna customize it for basically exactly what you want. The other thing you're really gonna get that's different with me is I go to every single event. So if you're on the phone with me and you tell me, you know, that your your child has a shellfish allergy, I'm at your event and I'm going to know 100 percent that your child has that allergy. Um, You know, if you say that, you know, you have a magician coming at a certain time, I'm there. Mm -hmm. I know that I spoke with you. So I think that's the difference. I'm also making the food so people can, you know, ask a question is is egg in this, you know, we just did the Derby Day party and somebody said his egg in the mac and cheese. And, you know, my staff can just come right to me because I'm right there. So it's just very personalized. And it's, it's just, I think a different level um, of, of service that we try to provide, you know, and I look at every single event as my most important event.
0: So again, you can visit Stacy at yourkitchenassistant.com you're interested in booking her, you better hurry up because June's already booked. Apparently
4: (laughs) June's crazy. (laughs) July
0: may be available. August, possibly holidays. Good luck. Stacy, anything (laughs) else you want to, you want to add in here?
4: Um, I just, I love what I'm doing. I really do. I just really enjoy it. I'm so thankful for all the people that have had, um, you know, have used us before Tom, you have definitely been a great supporter. Um, and, uh, I just I love I love doing what I'm doing. And so it's it's a pleasure to work these events and have everybody enjoy their own event. I get a kick out of it. It's fun.
0: So we got a couple more minutes here. So what what kind of like I mean, you, you mentioned like a couple things, like graduation parties, parties in the house, like maybe give a rundown of the things that you've done to give people some ideas, because. There's Absolutely. all sorts of reasons people show up at your house.
4: Absolutely. Um baby showers, bridal showers, graduation, um first birthday, 40th birthday, 50th birthday, 60th, like I did a 51st birthday, believe it or not cuz one was during COVID. Huh. Yeah. Um retirement parties, uh engaged, I don't know if did I say engagement, anything surrounding a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, um baby showers, the communion, the um Confirmation, the christening, baptism. Um, bar mitzvahs? You do? Bar I mitzvahs? actually have done some bar mitzvahs. I go. did a bar mitzvah, at, a bat mitzvah at a parkour rock climbing gym in Mannheim. Oh, fun! Yes, oh, that was I the know. that was might have been the craziest bat mitzvah I ever did.
0: I think I ran into you there at a, at a kid's <laughs> birthday party, and you were you were there at, at some other event. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. So you want to get in touch with Stacy. It's yourkitchenassistant.com. Stacy, thanks for coming on. Uh, you want to follow her. That's the best place to go check out our website. You can follow Sarah on Instagram. It's at ty underscore ty time. You can follow me at tomtool3rd at tomtool 3rd And we're live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. Make sure to subscribe and follow. And we'll catch you next week on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 a.m. Thank you.